Number 77, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus.
God's word, please. Matthew chapter two. Don't miss Christmas. That is our goal as we go throughout this Christmas season together, because we know we can go through all the motions and all the commotion and still miss Christmas. Uh, Millions of people will this year. Uh, They'll celebrate a lot of stuff, but miss the point entirely. In fact, there are some in our world that want you to miss the point. You know, we began this series last week, and as I was preparing for today, as I began studying, uh, I noticed that the following topic uh, was trending at the top of Facebook. And here's what the topic was. It caught my attention. American Atheist Group puts up billboard encouraging drivers to skip church on Christmas. Have you all heard this story? In fact, they put up a billboard. There's a, a picture of it. Go ahead and skip church. Just be good for goodness sake. Happy Holidays. And uh, the article that I read here by Katie Richards uh, says that this billboard is running in Colorado Springs, Colorado, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And you see the billboard ahead of you. And she quotes David Silverman, 
who's the president of the American Atheist. And here's what he said in the statement, and I quote, We want people to know that going to church has absolutely nothing to do with being a good person. The things that are most important during the holiday season, spending time with loved ones, charity and being merry, have nothing to do with religion, end quote. Now listen, don't get all bent out of shape over that. Don't get all ruffled and mad and, and huffy puffy. Why? Because it's coming from atheists. I mean, what do we expect after all? But my point is this, beloved. They missed the whole point of Christmas. Uh, they missed the entire point of why we celebrate. They missed the point and they want you to miss the point as well. But we know why we celebrate. We know the reason uh, behind the celebration itself. We know it's not about gifts and it's not about feast. It's about God with us. Emmanuel, the incarnation, God in human flesh. But you know what? They're not the first people to miss Christmas. In fact, if you travel back in the Bible to the very first Christmas, we find there are people there who missed it entirely. And uh, last week we looked at the first person uh, that we noticed who missed Christmas, the innkeeper. And the innkeeper missed Christmas basically because he was busy. Uh, his life and his end was too full uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he missed out. He missed Christmas. Well, today we'll look at another man who missed Christmas. And we find his story there in Matthew chapter 2. And we'll read just the uh, first eight verses to get started. But keep it open in your lap there. We'll be looking at uh, further uh, down in the passage a little bit later this morning. But let's just begin with Matthew chapter 2. I begin reading at verse 1. Familiar words to many. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Well, who is it that missed Christmas in this passage? I think you've already figured it out. Herod missed Christmas. He missed it the first time. And in all reality, he's actually given sort of a second chance here. Uh, upwards to uh, two years could have passed from the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ to this point in history when these strangers arrive in town seeking uh, this one who is born king of the Jews. Now, beloved, Herod was an out-of-control maniac. I'm just going to be honest with you. I mean, what possible lessons could you and I glean from the life of King Herod, uh, this out-of-control maniac who was just uh, wicked in so many ways? What kind of lessons could we learn from his life to help us to avoid uh, missing Christmas? I mean, he's an extreme example. I don't think anybody's going to go out of here and do what uh, Herod did to that extent because we don't have his power. But if we're not careful... We can very subtly imitate him and make some of the same choices that he made on a lesser scale and cause ourselves and maybe our families to miss out on this wonderful uh, season of the year, this celebration. 
You know, there are many words that we could use to describe Herod. I started making a list. We could say proud, uh, egotistical, uh, self-centered. I've already called him a maniac. Uh, But I wanted to boil it down to one word. And as I thought about it this past week and studied it out, I settled upon the word selfishness. Herod missed Christmas because he was selfish. Now, I need to tell you, of course, that uh, Herod was not a nice man. You probably figured that out uh, from what the Bible tells us about him. Warren Wiersbe noted that Herod was responsible for the deaths of a wife, a mother-in-law, two brother-in-laws, and three sons. He's responsible for their deaths. He put them to death. The historian Josephus characterized Herod in these words, a man he was of great barbarity toward all men equally and a slave to his passions. If you were making a list, Herod would probably not be your first choice to invite over to the lake house for uh, burgers on the grill. I mean, he was a wicked, evil person. And I know we're reading about a king here in a kingdom and the great power. So I'm going to take the lessons we learned from Herod and bring them down to our lives. And there are four things that I noticed from Herod's life that serve as warning lights when they show up for us. So if you see any of these four things in your life, let it be a warning light to you to beware. And these things can make us miss Christmas. In fact, these things can make us miss out on a lot in life. So let me share these four things with you. You want to jot them down, grab a card out of the pew or whatever, and jot these four things down. And we're thinking about our own lives this morning. As I studied this past week, I noticed, first of all, that Herod was disturbed because someone else was in the spotlight. Herod was disturbed because someone else was in the spotlight. Look, look back at verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Then notice the next part. And all Jerusalem with him. Why was Jerusalem troubled? Because Herod was troubled. Because you didn't know what Herod was going to do. Uh, He was an out-of-control maniac many times. Listen to what, this is a little bit length, but I want you to hear what David Jeremiah wrote about King Herod. Uh, We find out that being king was not all it's cracked up to be. Listen carefully. Herod stood no chance of ever being a beloved ruler or having his own people acknowledge him as king of the Jews. He would never occupy his throne without a furtive glance into the shadows of the room. He knew that with the slightest shift of political winds back in Italy, he would be ousted and probably slain. It would only take one concentrated uprising by the Jewish rebels to overcome all his security precautions. It was not good to be king. Yet Herod the Great fought to keep what he had. It's not surprising that the king suffered from paranoia as well as incurable physical disease. As the time approached for the birth of Christ, he was in his final days, an old man immersed in pain and bitterness. Can you see him there on his throne, this old man immersed in pain and bitterness, trying to hang on to what he had? Jeremiah says the miserable king was thinking about death at the very time when someone was coming to conquer it. He was making funeral arrangements, attempting suicide unsuccessfully and lying awake through the night, wondering who would come in the night to steal his crown. Now, I share all that not to make you feel sorry for Herod. I share that to show you how miserable a life can become when selfishness rules in the heart. When life becomes all about me. 
what I am, what I have, what I've got, and how I can keep it all for me. What a miserable way to live your life. And if you're disturbed anytime someone else is in the spotlight besides you, then beware. When we do that, the sin of pride is beginning to rear its ugly head. We need to learn the lesson and learn it well. And listen, teach it to our children and our grandchildren that someone else's gain is not your loss. Someone else's gain is not your loss. Now, beloved, life doesn't revolve around me. Life doesn't revolve around you. Christmas doesn't revolve around us. It revolves around, everything revolves around the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Christ is to have the preeminence, first place. He's ahead everything, everyone. It's all about Jesus Christ. And so beware if you're disturbed anytime someone else is in the spotlight besides you. Now, there'll be one thing if the story stopped here and it just says that he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him, period. And that was the end of the story. But it's not, sad to say. And because the story continues, so was so must we. So we know that uh, Herod was disturbed because someone else was in the spotlight. Notice, secondly, Herod used others to get what he wanted. Herod used others to get what he wanted. It began with the religious leaders there in verse four. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And so they they go back and they say, here's what the prophet says. Verse six. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, what was Herod's response to this? Was it amazement because of the truth of the word of God? Was it amazement because this prophecy uh, has been fulfilled? Was it wonder? Was it amazement at all these things? No. In fact, he hears that message and then he goes into sly mode or slick mode or secret mode. He begins to formulate a plan. It's very interesting. Look at verse seven. Then Herod, now read it carefully. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. So in my mind's eye, if if I'm correct, and I kind of see him dismissing the religious leaders. Okay, you may go. And and he he empties the room somewhat. He says, bring those wise men back in. Or maybe they were standing there and heard this. I don't know. But he says, by the way, when did this star appear? And what time was this? And he begins to go into slick mode and formulating his plan. And then notice verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me. Why? That I may come and worship him also. Do you see the lying and the deception? All guised under the supposed desire to worship Jesus. You know, we read the story, we know the wise men, they're filled with wonder and worship. Herod is filled with wrath. Beware when you begin to manipulate people to get what you want. Beloved, we don't use people. Maybe you've heard this saying, it's a popular saying, but it's worth repeating. Love people, not things. Use things, not people. There's a lot of truth right there. We're to love people, not things. And we're to use things, not people, especially at this time of the year, especially at this time of the year. Beware when you begin to manipulate people to get your own way. 
Well, you know the story. The wise men, they go and they worship Jesus. They're warned in a dream to return a different way home. Don't go back to King Herod. And then we know that Joseph is warned in a dream to flee and take Jesus and to flee to Egypt. And we pick up the story in verse 16. And in verse 16, if you look down in your scripture there, we notice that Herod became angry when he didn't get his way. He became angry when he didn't get his way. Look at verse 16, the first part. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. Now listen. If life is always about you and only about you, you're going to be disappointed and you're going to be angry quite a bit in your life. You know why? Because a lot of things are not going to go the way that you want them to go. And they're not going to go the way that you planned them. Do you see how destructive the selfishness is in Herod's life? The selfishness, it led to envy. It led to manipulation. It led to anger. And we're going to see ultimately it's going to lead to something very, very horrible. But let's apply it to our lives right now. Let's apply it to Christmas time. We're trying not to miss Christmas this year. Are you okay if you don't get your way this year? Are you okay with that? I mean, if the tree isn't decorated the way you want it to be decorated, if the meal is not prepared and planned and executed the way that you would have it done, if the lights are not hung exactly the way you would have hung them, If you don't get that one special item that you made sure that you let everybody know that you wanted and you hinted about it and this is what you need to get me and you don't get it. Are you okay if things don't go your way this year? In other words, beloved, is is it going to be anger this Christmas season or is it going to be adoration for the newborn king? It really comes down to a choice. And we find that Herod became angry when he didn't get His way. And beloved, if we live our lives like that, we're going to be angry a whole lot. You see, Christmas isn't about us. It's about him. And if we let this anger that comes in our lives. And by the way, we all get disappointed and we all get uh, maybe upset at times. But how do you handle that? Do you hold on to it? Do you vent it? Do you act on it? Or do you take it to the Lord and give it to him? And say, Lord, I'm disappointed. I give this to you. Not my will, but thy will be done. I know you're the sovereign ruler. I give you my life. I give you all these things. Well, what does Herod do? Well, Herod, his anger goes unchecked. It goes unrepented of. And if we're not careful, we could take this last step that Herod took. I notice as I studied fourthly that Herod hurt many because of one. Herod hurt many because of one. Now, listen. We're going to pick up the story in verse 16. I'm going to tell you, this is difficult reading. I shudder to even read these verses. They're so horrible. But notice verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under According to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet saying. A voice was heard in Ramah. Lamentation. Weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children. Refusing to be comforted. Because they are no more. Now beloved that's a part of the Christmas story we don't celebrate. That's a part we don't like to think about. But it's the reality. Of what happened in that world at that time. And Herod decided to hurt many because of one. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been hurt by someone 
because they were upset with somebody else? Or have you, have you ever chosen to hurt many because of one? You know what I mean. They're, they're mad at so-and-so, so they take it out on everybody. They give everybody the cold shoulder. They give everybody the icy glare. They give everyone the silent treatment. They're upset with one, and they take it out on everybody. What a horrible way to live. Herod had no reason to be upset at Jesus Christ, but he was. He was threatened. He was insecure. He was trying to hang on to what he had. And because of the one, many suffered. And if we choose to live like this, beloved, we're going to miss Christmas this year. We're going to miss out. Our selfishness can make us miss Christmas. And how sad that would be. To make everything about me, and it's got to be my way, and it's got to be done the way I would do it, and I'm going to get what I want, and if I'm not happy, nobody else is going to be happy. What a sad way to live. But Herod did. Maybe you're wondering what happened to Herod. Look at verse 19. Now when Herod was dead... Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to it in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Herod died. And as far as I could tell from the scripture, beloved, he's still in hell this morning. Why? Because he missed Christmas. Because he missed Christ. Because instead of embracing Christ and receiving Christ, he rejected Christ. Do you ever think about the great contrast that's in this passage of Scripture? We have at least two kings in this passage. Some would say, well, there's more than two kings, depending on who you think the wise men were, the magi, if you think they were kings or not. We won't get into all that, but there are at least two kings in this chapter. Did you notice them? There's King Herod and there's King Jesus. You ever sat down and thought about the contrast between these two kings. I, I did this past week, and I jotted down just four thoughts as I thought about the two kings that are displayed here in Matthew chapter 2, King Herod and King Jesus. The first thing I noticed is that Herod was selfish, but Jesus was selfless. Herod was selfish, but Jesus was selfless. We look at Herod's life, it's all about Herod. Look at Jesus' life, and he left the splendor of glory. And he came and he took upon himself flesh, God in the flesh, the God man, Emmanuel, God with us night and day. Second thing I noticed was that Herod was out to save Herod, but Jesus was out to save others with Herod. It was all about Herod preserving his throne, preserving his crown, preserving his kingdom. But Jesus came Not to be served, but to serve. To give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Beloved, the reason Jesus Christ came and robed himself in flesh so long ago is for you and for me. Because he took upon himself flesh that he might die in that flesh and take our sin upon himself. The Bible says that if we will forsake our sin, repent of our sin, and, and trust the Lord Jesus Christ, he will save us. And by the way, I don't know what kind of gift you're looking for today, but I can tell you there's a wonderful gift available to every person within the sound of my voice. 
If you've never received it, I would encourage you to unwrap it quickly. And it's salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that all of us have sinned, all of us have messed up, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he came as that little baby. But by the way, he's not in the manger anymore. I know he is in our nativity scenes, and I know we'll celebrate that, but he's not in that manger anymore. He grew and he lived a sinless, perfect life. And then he voluntarily laid that life upon the cross and shed his precious blood. He died, was placed in a tomb, but then he arose victorious the third day. And beloved, because he lives, you can live. But you must take him by faith. You can do that right now, right where you are. Just say, Lord, I don't want my sin anymore. I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. That's the greatest gift you can ever receive. Herod was out to save Herod, but Jesus was out to save others. Thirdly, I noticed that Herod was proud, but Jesus was humble. Herod wanted the best to be the best, to be noticed the finest of everything. What did Jesus choose? He chose poor parents. In some place where there were animals in a food trough wrapped in strips of cloth. Humble birth. He didn't come as the king in the palace. He came as a humble baby. And he submitted himself to all that goes with that. Did you ever think about that? Nine months, God in the womb, being birthed. And in the whole process of learning to walk and learning to talk and and learning to uh, uh, eat and and learning to uh, uh, all the things that go with it. He submitted to that. The ruler and creator, God in the flesh. He humbled himself and became a man. The God man. Night and day. Herod and King Jesus. But one more, I'm sure there may be others, but one more. And it's this, Herod is dead, but Jesus is alive forevermore. Herod tried to stamp out this new king and his kingdom, but he was unsuccessful. Herod is dead. Herod, sad to say, is in hell this morning. But Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. And he's our soon coming savior and king. And the next time he comes will be a lot different than the last time he came, by the way. He's coming in his glory and he's coming in his power and he's coming to rule and to reign and he's coming as King Jesus. Listen, friend, I want to ask you, have you bowed your knee to King Jesus? Have you received him as your Savior and Lord? Have you declared him to be your Savior and Lord? If not, listen, do it today. Do it right now. Don't miss Christmas. Don't miss Christ. Father, I want to praise you and thank you for this passage of Scripture. And I want to thank you for the truth that we've learned today together. And Father, I pray that by thy Holy Spirit you would examine each one of our hearts and you would help us to be submissive to the Spirit's leading today. And Lord, if we see any of these warning lights in our life, we're disturbed because someone else is in the spotlight. We're trying to use other people to get our way. We get angry when we don't get our way. And we seek to hurt many because we're upset with just one. Father, how easy it is for us to get in the flesh. To operate in the flesh. 
and to live like Herod would. But, Lord, we see the contrast with Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. Lord, to live a life of humility, a life that brings honor and glory to you, a life that's about other people, a life that is selfless and sacrificial, a life that points other people to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Father, speak to hearts today. Lord, help us to respond in faith. Whatever it is that you're saying to us, may we, may we be obedient. May we respond the way we should. And Father, we pray that you'll take charge of this invitation, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The invitation today is simply this. If you don't know the one we've been talking about, Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as we're singing this closing song, I would invite you to come. I'll be down at the front. We'd love to put you as someone who will take a Bible and share Christ and lead you to the cross today. And then for those of us who do know him, maybe God has put his finger on something in your life. Maybe it's one of these things. Maybe it's something else. Whatever the Holy Spirit's saying, would you respond today? The altar is open. You may come and you may pray. We're going to sing in closing number 118. What child is this? And as we sing... The altars of it. We'd invite you to come and do business with the Lord as He leads you as we sing together. 118, let's stand and sing. You come as God. Oh.